important ingredient in everything that you do for the Lord. And as we look at some scriptures, I think you'll quickly see that it is pretty much uh, indisputable that this is the case. Because of all of the things that God talked about, I'm going to show you things that are all just the basics of Christian living, and you will see that in every one of these things, God says, I want you to do it this way, all right? Here is, well, I'll tell you up front what the thing is, and that is God says that we do it with our whole heart. With our whole heart. And I just want us to ponder that tonight. I don't think anything I was going to say is going to be revolutionary. I don't think it's going to be much that you've never heard before, maybe nothing that you've never heard before. But I do want us just to stop and ponder this tonight. That we, we don't ever want to be Christians who are just following some pattern. The problem with patterns is here is, here is one Christian who does everything in his life or some things in his life with his whole heart. And God blesses it. And people say to him, please tell us how you do that. So he writes a book. And that book lays out how he does these things. And people take the book and do the same things that he does, only they leave out this one element of doing it with all their heart. And it doesn't work for them. And pretty soon, they have a plastic Christianity. I don't know why this isn't working. I'm doing it just like Dr. So-and-so said he did it in his book. Yeah, but he was doing it with his heart. He was doing it with his whole heart, whatever it is. And when you simply follow the pattern, but you take out the heart, it will fail. So let me give you some examples of, and I found at least 10 things in the Bible that God says I'm supposed to do with all my heart. Number one is love God. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And again, I could give you, for most of these, I could give you three, four, five, six different verses that say specifically, do this with your whole heart. I'm going to give you one for each, all right? But you can study your Bible and find others for just about every one of these points. Love God, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. So I'm to love God with all my heart, with all my heart. Now, you say, you know, Pastor, I've always sort of wondered what that means, all right? At the end, we're going to talk just a little bit about what it means to do things with all your heart. So don't, don't worry. Hang on. We'll get there. I want you to notice another thing, that we are to serve God with all our heart. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 2. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now, time out. Don't fall into the, 
That's in the Old Testament trap. Because don't forget that, that Paul said in Corinthians that the people in the Old Testament were given to us as examples. And so, uh, don't say, yeah, well, that's, that's Deuteronomy, Pastor. And so, no, absolutely not. God's not any different in Romans and Galatians than he is in Deuteronomy. Do you really think that God says to Israel in Deuteronomy, I want you to serve me with all your heart? And then in Ephesians, he's saying, half-hearted service will do, because this is the New Testament. This is the age of the church. No, absolutely not. No, uh, the same God that says, serve me with all your heart in Deuteronomy to Israel, says to his children in Ephesians, serve me with all your heart. So love God with all your heart, serve God with all your heart, then obey God with all your heart. Deuteronomy 26, verse number 16. This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Obey the Lord with all of your heart. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean that you're not going to fail. It does mean that when you see that something pleases God, you obey him with all of your heart. We live in an age where Christians are always trying to find the loopholes. Christians are always trying to justify their disobedience. And Christians are very happy to self-approve their half-hearted Christianity. They're very happy to say, well, you know, I'm not all in like some people. They're kind of high octane. I'm not all that. You know, I'm not much of a fanatic. But God knows that I love him. Oh, isn't it convenient of you to invent your own style of Christianity? No. God says to, to obey him with all your heart. Do you, do you know, yes, the, the epistles fall in the church age, the same age that we're in. Yes, that is true. But you know when God says to do something in those epistles, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not approving of this, it's in the Old Testament, it doesn't matter, but listen, there's plenty in the epistles that we're supposed to obey that those same folks that say, yeah, it's in Deuteronomy, I don't have to do that, those same folks will disqualify themselves from 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians and, and Ephesians and Philippians and Col I mean, there's a whole lot in there you're supposed to do. I mean, for one thing, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's not in Deuteronomy. We need to obey God with our whole heart. But now, you say, but pastor, I fail and that's, <laughs> man, do I mess up a lot. Well, that's, 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 I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying you're certainly not alone in that. In fact, of everybody in this room, you know what percentage of the people in this room mess up a lot? One, zero, zero. One hundred percent of us mess up a lot. And that's why it's great that he also says, this is great, return to God with your whole heart. Deuteronomy 30, verse 2. Thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, Thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Now, if God is commanding us to return to him with all our heart, then he knows up front that we're going to goof up. Do you know 
when you backslid that last time, remember way, 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 way back to yesterday? (laughs) That didn't take God by surprise. And the day before that, when you just flat out failed, and the day before that, when you just flat out went back on your word, I mean, you started out the day, tell Lord, this is going to be the greatest day, and by noon, you had fallen flat on your face spiritually. Do you know that didn't surprise God? He knows what you're made of. And he wasn't standing over you saying, yeah, loser. No, he was standing next to you. That's what the Holy Spirit uh, is, is. He's with you and in you. And he was waiting there to pick you up. Say, all right, come on, let's try it again. Your father loves you. Let's get back up and try it again. But we have to return to him with all our heart. Now, let me stop. I haven't gone down the road yet of with all our hearts yet, but let's, let's, uh, what it means, but let's take a step in that direction for just a second. Return to God with all your heart. What does that mean? That means that you make sure there's no part of your heart that has decided to stay where you are. What do you mean? All right. You're trying to overcome. Anybody here trying to overcome uh, smoking cigars? Anybody? Okay. So this is a safe one that nobody thinks. Oh, pa- Pastor knows. I just told, I shouldn't confess this. Um, we were We were at the... Uh, we were we were eating an early lunch the other day, getting ready to go to the uh, Roosevelt's uh, mansion, and so we we ate lunch at like eleven o'clock, yeah, early, and uh, so we're sitting in a restaurant, just the four of us, and the conversation. And in the course of the conversation, I will simply tell what I said. I said, you know, the one thing that I wish was not sinful. This is the truth, and I've never done this. I've never tried it, but I just would like to. And it's terrible is smoking cigars. If I get to heaven and find out smoking cigars was not a sin, I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind of bitter. Uh, I just think it looks so, I don't know, it looks like so much fun to me. But anyway, um, so, the, um, so you're trying to overcome smoking cigars. All right, I picked something there that nobody struggles with, apparently, but me. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, and um, you're, you're, you told, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. So you, you fail. And I mean, at lunchtime, and you just, <laughs> you, you just smoked a big old, big old cigar for lunch, you know. And, uh, you, you say, Pastor, that's a stupid illustration. I know, but if I picked on what you're doing, you'd think, who told him? Who told him? So I'm, I'm, stick, I'm staying safe here tonight. Um, so you go, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I said I wasn't going to do that again. And so, so here you are. You, you've got that one more. You go, I said I wasn't going to do that again. And Lord, I'm really going to try to not do that again. So you put the other one that you haven't smoked yet in your pocket. I'll throw it out later. You know what I mean? If you're going to return to the Lord with all your heart, you need to rip that thing apart now and put it in the, in the, in the trash. All right? Uh, whatever it is that you're hanging on to, that you know you're still accommodating your sin, that's the, that's the extent to which you are not returning to the Lord with all your heart. How many times do we confess our sin to God and say, Lord, I'm so sorry, in the back of your mind you're thinking, but I think I'm still going to you know, have a little more fun with that tonight. 
I think I'm still going to, you know, watch the, watch the rest of that. Has God ever convicted you that you should not be watching that movie? You should not be watching this. Lord, I'm sorry. In the back of your mind, but I'm going to finish it tonight. You're not returning to the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart means you crack the DVD. I had somebody recommend a movie to me one time. The problem was, it was a good friend of mine. Uh, the problem was they had watched it on television. I made the foolish mistake of buying it <laughs> and downloading it onto my, onto my computer. This was four or five years ago. And right away, I was like, whoa, that's not good at all. And so uh, so I had to, so I thought, okay, I'll just delete that sucker. I lost the money. That was stupid, but I'll delete it. And that's when I discovered that you, you don't, once you buy it digitally, you don't delete it. It's, it, it, I had to go through all kinds of steps to get that where it was never, ever, you know, it goes up in the cloud. Well, that's not deleted. It's still there. And I didn't want to later on say, yeah, but I was right in the middle of a very good story and I want to see how the story ends. No, you got to let that sucker go. Return to me with all your heart. God knows we're going to fail. He knows we're going to make mistakes. He knows we're going to go places we shouldn't go, say things we shouldn't say, do things we shouldn't do. When he convicts us, we need to return to him and not half-heartedly but whole-heartedly with all your heart. Return to God with all your heart. Not only that, trust God with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Now here is a very strong hint, and I would even say an explanation of what it means to do something with all your heart because the rest of the verse says, and lean not unto thine own understanding. When you're leaning on your understanding, you're not trusting the Lord with all your heart. So to do something with all your heart means that you're not leaving any ungodly crutches laying around. So trust God with all your heart. So, so far... And we're halfway there on this list. So far, we've seen from the Bible, love God with all your heart, serve God with all your heart, obey God with all your heart, return to God with all your heart, trust God with all your heart, all right? Next, believe in God with all your heart. Now, this is talking specifically about salvation and more specifically, believing in Jesus with all your heart. Acts chapter 8, the uh, Ethiopian soldier said to Philip, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip's answer in Acts 8, 37, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Now, here's another hint of what it means to do something with all your heart. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So there, with all your heart means that you fully embrace God's truth and reject error. Because the, the Ethiopian fellow believing with all of his heart did not mean that some, you know, somehow we've got it like if I could just believe a little bit harder, like, oh, I, you know, I gotta, I, I've gotta, you know, like, like a, I don't know, like a yoga thing or a meditation thing or a, you know, an Eastern religion thing. If I go, mm, no, it's not, that's not it. When he says believe with all your heart, 
It's not like some have said, and I've, you've had people say this, and I've, you know, well, I, I sort of believe a little bit in every religion just so I'm safe, just so I'm covered. No, you're not believing with all your heart, and you're not saved. If you're going to be saved, you've got to believe in Jesus and Jesus only. You've got to let go of all those other philosophies. So believe in God with all your heart. Number seven, Psalm 9-1. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Praise God with all your heart. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean at the top of your lungs. It may. You know, with all your heart is not a personality thing. And I'll tell you what it is in just a minute, but don't think for a second. You know, you see uh, Brother Steve, clearly when he when he um, uh, leads singing, praises God with all his heart. Or I should say, to be fair, he appears to be praising God. With, I'm not trying to be funny. He appears to be praising God with all of his heart. But when you're as good at it as he is, it's possible, it's possible even to fake that. But what we can do is say, wow, look at Brother Steve. He just, he just, he gives it everything he's got. But that's not my personality. It's not a matter of personality. It's a matter of God having all your heart. If you're sitting there going, going, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what's, you know, I don't, I don't know if anything's going on tonight, but uh, it was just a couple, a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching in Arkansas on Sunday night, I was using the, the uh, was it the Grammys, the Oscars, what was going on? Does anybody remember? Was the Grammys, have they already happened? I was using the Grammys as an example in my message and I had no idea that they were even going on that night. That's the truth. I had no idea uh, that, that the Grammys were happening that night. But I was talking, oh, by the way, the Grammys. But anyway, uh, so let's, let's pretend that tonight's Grammy night, okay? And uh, the Grammys are on tonight, and you're sitting here, and you're wondering, you know, if, if you're not even going to believe that I, Amy gave me this name. All right, you're wondering if Bruno Mars is going to clean up tonight, right? And uh, she she doesn't listen to that, but but I was preaching a message not too long ago, and I said, "Give me a name." I said, "All I know is Michael Jackson." And that's like 40 years old, and she said, "You use this one, you're going to be gold, okay?" Bruno Mars. I said, "What?" She said, "Just write it down. I'll spell it for you." And uh, literally, I use it, that, and, and I heard a gasp go through the room, like, wow, he really knows one of our guys. <laughs> he's, not, he's not preaching against the Beatles, you know. Anyway, um, where in the world was I? Oh, praising God with all your heart means partially that you're, and you're, you're, you're singing, you know, down at the cross where the Savior died, but in your heart you're wondering, I wonder who won, you know, best, uh, best whatever. We do that with those. We do that with with uh, awards. We do that with. Uh, I was I was preaching while the State of the Union was going on a couple of weeks ago, and I had to work hard to wonder, you know, not to wonder how it was going, and uh, why? Because because I'm you know I'm a I'm a recovering political junkie, and uh, so I but I didn't want to be up there preaching and go wonder how it's going. I do not when my team's in some big game on a Sunday night. I I don't I don't check the score. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think what I did with the Super Bowl last week. I didn't, I didn't check the, neither one of my teams were in it, but I mean, my, my team wasn't either one of the teams and I'm drifting now. So let's get back. So praising God with your own whole heart means that you're not, your mind's not somewhere else. I wonder how that meeting is going to go tomorrow. Glory to his name. Man, I hope I pass that test tomorrow. See, that's not with your whole heart. All right? 
Praise God with your whole heart. Next, seek God with your whole heart. And this is the text verse we read. Psalm 119 verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Seeking the Lord simply means pursuing what God wants. God, what do you want us to do? What is your will? What is the plan? Show me the way. I, I prayed this afternoon while I was, I was driving somewhere and I prayed, Lord, help us to get your work exactly right. Lord, I pray that, our, that we, that I, that we would do your work exactly the way you want it done. And Lord, I pray that my opinions would not prevail. I pray that my, my agenda, I pray I wouldn't even have a, an agenda. I pray that your agenda would be my only agenda. This is what I'm praying. What, what is that? That is seeking the Lord. And we need to seek the Lord in every area of our life. And Psalm 119 verse 2 says, Blessed are they that seek him with the whole heart. The ninth thing that I see in the Bible is that we are to observe God's laws. Now, observe, you know, we, talk, we use the word observe to mean, you know, hmm, very, very nice. But it's more than that. It means give your attention to. Give your attention to God's laws with all your heart. I mentioned this already, but I'm telling you, folks, believers in this day are way too flippant about God's laws. No, we don't live under the law. The law does not condemn you. The law can't send you to hell. But it doesn't mean that the laws of God don't matter. We need to observe them with all of our hearts. Don't ever forget this. Jesus' first recorded message in the New Testament if you want to make the argument that that is the introduction of grace, what did he say? Moses said, do this much. But I say unto you, do this much. Example after example after example. Moses said, don't kill. I say unto you, don't kill and don't hate. Moses said, don't commit fornication. I say unto you, don't commit fornication and don't think about it. Grace doubles it. So anything that you want to say is, well, I'm exempt because we're under grace and not under the law. Read Jesus' explanation of what it means to be under grace. No, the law, once you're under grace, cannot send you to hell. But in a strange way, it doubles our... It ought to double our desire to keep the law to please God. Praise the Lord, we're not under all those ceremonial laws. You didn't have to bring some turtle doves to church this morning, and I didn't have to wring their neck, and praise the Lord for that. But there's some definitely some things in the law of Moses that ought to be guides and principles to us, and I don't want to go too far down that road. But as you read Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, Say, okay, no, I don't have to be looking out for my neighbor's donkey because that would be a problem because I don't think maybe, does anybody have a neighbor who has a donkey? And I'm talking about a literal donkey, not a spouse. Okay, none of us. So we'd all be, you know, how do you obey that one? You obey that one by looking out for your neighbor's property. Like, my son, when he was home for Christmas and we got a storm over Christmas and he's out there with, we're both out there I, with, with uh, shovels and I think he had, uh, uh, maybe he had the snowball, I don't, I don't remember. 
But we finished our driving. Oh, I finished the driveway. That's great. I'm going inside to get something to drink. Not him. He went to the neighbors across the street that we just barely know and just shoveled the driveway. Why? I have no idea. Because he felt compelled to do that. And then there was then there was a car that we, we there was a steep hill right by our house and there was a car trying to get over the top of that hill and Joe uh, went to help this it was turned out to be a girl but he couldn't tell went to help this this uh, young girl to to push the car up the hill and he came back and I said I'm telling your girlfriend that you helped a pretty girl get her and he said well I'm telling mom that you thought that girl was pretty so I said okay <laughs> truce. <laughs> But the fact that we live under grace, if, if, it, if our hearts are healthy, should compel us to do more than we're required to do. Observe God's laws. And then the last thing that I'm going to talk about right now tonight, and we're almost done with the message, but the last thing is that we, we see we're supposed to pray to God with all of our hearts. And once again, this is a sample of several verses that say this, but Psalm 119, verse 145, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord. Pray. It's so easy. It's so easy just to pull out that list and start reading. I've heard men that know how to pray say that if you pray for an hour, sometimes the only real praying you do is the last five minutes. Because you spend the first part, 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 the first part of that hour, really coming to know that you are in God's presence. I think it was John Bunyan who said, "In prayer, it is better to have heart without words than it is to have words without heart." Very quickly, let's wrap this up and if you'll give me your attention here I can fit everything else into just a few minutes but listen carefully what does it mean to do something with your whole heart maybe the best way to understand wholehearted is to remind ourselves what it means to be half-hearted see we go love the Lord with all your heart and we go yeah but what does that mean all right back up when we say well, I love the Lord half-heartedly. We all know what that means. It means half the energy, half the desire, half the devotion. Oh, I know that. Well, once you're reminded of what it means to do something half-heartedly, then you can go at it again and say, okay, now I'm going to do it wholeheartedly. You know, listen, what is lacking in all of our churches Anything that is a, a Bible-believing church, the greatest hindrance is half-hearted Christianity. And a big mistake, and I, I try to avoid uh, analyzing all of Christianity, but I do find myself doing it from time to time. One of the big mistakes that the younger generation of Christians make, you know, the, the millennials, and I hate to say that because not everybody that age does this, but there's a whole lot of them that look at half-hearted Christianity in the previous generation and they don't fix it by deciding, well, I'm going to live for God and love God and serve God wholeheartedly. No, they say, Okay, we need to we need to switch out the uh, you know that Bible for a bunch of new versions. We need to switch out the those old hymns for some some rock songs. 
And, uh, you know, we need to switch out coming to church looking like you care to coming to church looking like you couldn't care less. So instead of swapping out half-heartedness for wholeheartedness, they have built a whole new movement on we're just gonna we're just gonna try these new method, methods because they're more relevant to the younger generations. And here's why they're gonna fail because they do those things half-heartedly as well. On the other side, though, let me say this: on the on the other side of the coin, a young person or any person with new music, as much as I'm, I'm not I'm not against a song being new. I'm against the new style where you go into church and you feel like you're at a rock concert. And I'm against this style, and and even some people that I know and like do it, but I can't stand it, where the auditorium is, everything is dark and black and gray. And they say that's better because if you want to do a video, it looks better. I don't care how it looks on TV or on a video, man. The house of the Lord, I believe, ought to be bright. But anyway... Uh, I mean, we're not children of darkness. We're children of light. I think that means something. And I, know, I realize that's just symbolic, but I do think it's related anyway. Um, but I do think that people who have new methods and serve the Lord wholeheartedly, even with their new methods and, dare I say, even with their new Bibles, are still going to have more of an impact than people who stick with the old stuff and only do it half-heartedly. I'm not advertising for the new stuff. I'm just saying I believe in wholeheartedness because the Bible does. All right, so what does it mean to do these things with your whole heart? Number, number one, it means to give your full devotion. Number two, it means to give your full attention. Number three, it means to give your full energy. We know what wholeheartedness means. I almost didn't need to say those things. But we've got to give all of our devotion. We leave way too much room in our hearts for other things. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Couldn't be much clearer. So all of our devotion... All of our attention. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And all of our energy. All of our energy. Far too many Christians. And I'm not trying to indict you. I think I indict all of us a little bit. But there's a whole lot of people out there that call themselves born-again believers. That give their energy to making money. They give their energy to to being successful. Listen, let me just clear this up quickly. All right? I appreciate, I I loved it, I loved it that after uh, uh, Tony Dungy said that he he was, I think it was his son, and uh, they walked down the hall and they found the starting quarterback for the Eagles, the backup quarterback for the Eagles, and the third string quarterback for the Eagles, and the receiver who caught the winning touchdown in a room praying and praising God. And he said it was one of the greatest things that my son ever witnessed. I'm pretty sure it was his son ever witnessed. I love that. That doesn't change the fact that if those were young men that grew up in church, 
I hope there came a point in their lives. I don't know if they did or not. I hope there came a point in their lives when they were younger where they surrendered to the will of God. I'm not the judge of whether or not, you know, it was the will of God for them to be professional football players. I'm saying I hope there came a point in their lives where they surrendered to the will of God. And I am guessing that if they did indeed do that, that they might not be in the NFL. I'm not the judge. I'm not the judge of them individually. I'm telling you. Now, I don't know their testimonies. They may have all gotten saved as adults. I'm not the one to decide where I'm simply saying as much as I love that. I love the fact. I think it was uh, uh, Cheryl Lyson over here. I'm just kidding. Um, I, <laughs> I think it was, I think it was uh, Ken who told us uh, Monday night while we were eating the meal um, that one of, those, one of those four players I just mentioned won a lady to Christ the week before the Super Bowl in, around the, near the pool in his motel. I love that. I love that, and I am not in any way condemning these men. I am saying to you that a young person who grows up in church should surrender. We all need to surrender the will of God and then give our whole energy to that, all right? So three observations quickly, and we are finished. Number one, my whole heart is the most important ingredient in everything I do for God. When you read your Bible tomorrow, will you do it with your whole heart? Or will you be reading and at the same time watching your phone for somebody texting you? Whole heart, with my whole heart. My whole heart is the most important ingredient in everything I do for God. Second thing, wholeheartedness is an essential part of Christian character. Why do we have the idea that wholeheartedness is like a bonus? Read your Bible, pray, go to church, tithe, win souls. But... um, Just do it. You don't have to do it wholeheartedly. If you do it wholeheartedly, that's a bonus. No. I think if you're not doing it wholeheartedly, it's not really counting. You're just sort of going through the... You have like plastic Christianity. Wholeheartedness is an essential part of Christian character. It's so important that what we're doing... Basically, I mean, the folks that are here tonight are basically the leaders in our church, basically the people that other people look to for how is it done. You want an example of that? I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. You watch on Sunday morning when, when someone sitting in this room right now gets up and goes to use the bathroom in the middle of the service, he is almost always followed by somebody who has only been coming to church for a month or two. Because they're looking, we have a whole bunch of people right now who are looking around trying to find out how it's done. What do you do? How do you, how are things done in church? How do you do things here? And they're watching to see what you do. They stand when you stand and they sing when you sing and they shake hands when you shake hands. And I say, if you're half-hearted, they're going to be half-hearted. If you're wholehearted, they're going to be wholehearted. We must set the right example. Listen, my prayer is that some of these uh, uh, younger folks that have been getting saved, that eventually that they will become steady church attenders on Sunday night and Wednesday night. What's going to happen when they come and find somebody that they've been looking to doesn't come on Sunday night? I'll tell you exactly what happens because I've seen it happen again and again. They're going to come a few times, and then when they see that the person that they were looking to as an example doesn't come to church on Sunday night, 
doesn't come to church on Wednesday night, they're going to conclude it's not that important. And I've seen it again and again. And that is why I, I stress and I beg. And listen, I don't have a, a controller or remote where I can control people's lives. If I did, I probably would use it. But I, 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 that's why I stress and beg and plead again and again. If you're going to be a leader or a teacher of any kind, be faithful to church. And I think I, it's only fair for me to say if someone is not, it's not because I told them it was okay. It's because they arbitrarily decided, I don't have to do this. Wholeheartedness is an essential part of Christian character. Last point, last thought. It is my responsibility to do everything that I do for God with my whole heart. In private, in practicing. Listen, choir, if you, if you don't practice with your whole heart, you won't come out on Sunday morning and sing with your whole heart. It's real easy. For, and I don't come to choir practice, so I have no idea what goes on. I'm just saying I know human nature, and I've been a part of practicing things before. You practice, and you think, you know, I'm pretty good. I know the song. I know the words. So, so I, you know, Brother Steve's up there trying to get me all in and all involved and with all my heart. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to sort of coast on this. Why? Because this is just practice. If that's the way you prepare, then, then that's the way you will minister. That's the way it will come across. If you're going to do things with your whole heart, you're going to do things, you're going to go against the grain. Brother Ray said something the other day at, uh, at lunch. I forget which meal, but, we, but he said, you know, Everybody who impacts other people is always thought to be a little bit eccentric, a little bit strange. Because you, if you're going to be like everybody else, you're not going to influence anybody. You're not influenced by the people who are just like everybody else. Do you, do you get that? You're influenced by the people who are willing to live differently. You're not trying to be different on purpose. It's just that you come in contact with principles that are different and values that are different, and you say, I'm going to give myself to those things. And then all of a sudden people are saying, well, he, he's different. He's strange. He's weird. He's unusual. If you do things with your whole heart, you're going to go against the grain of the average. You're going to go against the grain of your own flesh. Let's finish by just simply observing this i have we haven't i haven't watched a ton of the winter olympics but i've watched some watched a little last night watched the watched the opening ceremonies the the night before we'll probably watch a little bit when we get home tonight but you think you're just sitting think about these kids and whatever their sport is i want to know that you know well they call it curling but it's shuffleboard you <laughs> know how in the, where did that come from? How in the world? And how did, these, how did that kid get interested in shuffleboard on ice? Babe? I just don't. That's crazy. But anyway, I wonder if it wasn't, it was sort of like this. I'm getting off track here. Uh, I wonder if it was sort of like this. Uh, you know, Billy, uh, let's just be frank. You're not going to make the football team. So why don't you try this other thing over? He's called curling. I'll teach you how to do it. But anyway, uh, but... You look at these sports, like the, the uh, I was watching the kid that won the gold in uh, the snowboard last night. That's a cool kid. I like him. 
Um, think about the hours, the days. Think about the sacrifices that kid has made. All of them, the skaters, the skiers, all of them. Think about the things that they have done without. And here's the bottom line. The kids that win the medals are the kids that have done this with their whole heart. Now, it's not to say that people who don't get the medals didn't do it, with, but, but there's some correlation between winning and wholeheartedness. You know this, no half-hearted kids getting a gold medal. Now, why don't we be gold medal believers and say, I'm going to do this with my whole heart? Uh, you know, it's it's an amazing thing. I'm, I'm thinking, I probably shouldn't say this, but, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at... Um, uh, Brother Zach and Catherine and, and uh, the opportunities that they've had to, to travel in the Lord's will. Their trip this week was not a, a, a vacation. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they, they made one out of it, but they were there. On, it, was, it was mandatory by, his, by his, Brother Zach's business. Because he excelled in his business, he had to go to the beaches of Mexico. Poor guy. <laughs> But I'm saying, he listen. He has. They have seen more of the world by doing the will of God than most people see when they run from the will of God. Isn't that incredible? And I say to you, you will have a wonderful and a full life when you just decide to live for God with your whole heart. I've gone too long. Let's stand together, and the piano will play and.